Folks, we, uh, we continue our series, The Farewell Discourse, these incredible four chapters only found in John's Gospel. It's this private conversation that Jesus begins at the uh, Last Supper with his 11 remaining disciples as Judas has passed already, already gone to betray Jesus. And uh, in the context of this conversation, Jesus has some important things that he wants to make known to his disciples. It's personal and it's for them specifically, but there's so much about it that's for us and for millions of disciples since uh, Jesus had that conversation. We're so grateful to John, who was there, who took notes and has written it for our sake. Uh, Last week, trying to sort of uh, piece this message into following on from last week, Chantel uh, spoke about the, the things that Jesus spoke of in terms of persecution, where Jesus says that to the disciples that they will suffer, they will find life difficult, they will be persecuted. And she quite rightly raised the issues of uh, persecution to the worldwide church, to millions of Christians who experience all kinds of persecution, which we can't begin to experience or know. Although she did link it into our common modern-day culture where increasingly the, the church of Jesus in this nation and in other Western nations, uh, because of the, the, the changing tide of culture and society, uh, the church now is being seen as the problem or the church is being seen as intolerant on certain issues. And so the tide is changing there with regards to persecution. I took the second half last week and uh, spoke about how um, the disciples would be sorrowful, uh, but that Jesus reminded them the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come to convict uh, the world and us of our sin, uh, but also reminding that the Holy Spirit was there to guide us and to remind us and to speak to us. And so today that brings us up. We're in John 16, verse 16 through 33. As usual, I'm going to read it through. The words on the screen will come up. Try and read it through yourself. Try and see what leaps off the page. And then I've just got a few brief things to say this morning. I promise you I will be brief. So we're John 16, verse 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this time, some of, his, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, She forgets the anguish uh, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, 
Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Up until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now I can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We begin with Jesus telling his disciples, in a little while you're not going to see me, but then in a little while you're going to see me, and we must be thinking, what is he talking about? And uh, he sees the disciples, that he can tell he doesn't need a word of knowledge, that you know that so very often Jesus had these words of knowledge that the disciples were thinking certain things or that, that something was about to happen. He didn't need one at this moment. He could tell, he could probably hear that they're having this conversation between them going, what does he mean? What does he mean? What is, what is in a little while? What, what? He keeps talking figuratively. What? Just spit it out there. What is it that you're saying? And Jesus sees us, he asks them, um, what's going on? And very kindly and graciously, he says this, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. He is preparing them for what's about to come. Can you imagine? Jesus himself is the one who's going to the cross. He's the one who needs to be prepared. And he does that. We later see that as he spends time deeply in prayer in that sorrowful way as he pours out his heart to the Father in preparation for the cross. But he's so kind. He knows that his loss, his death is going to deeply, deeply affect uh, his disciples. And out of his kindness, he prepares them for what's to come, this impending crucifixion, which is not long away. And he likens this experience. He says that your grief will turn to joy. And he likens it to a mother whose it's, it's time, uh, her time to give birth. After a while, it's time for, the, for, the, for a woman to, to give birth. And it is excruciating. I know some of you women, you're looking at me as if to say, how can you possibly know, Paul, what it's like to give birth? My closest experience to giving birth is running marathons. I know, women, it's not quite the same if you've done both. 
that pain of the last few miles, your glycogen stores in your muscles and liver have been depleted. It is a reality. If you have paced it incorrectly and you have used up your stores and you do hit a wall, it basically means there's no um, carbohydrate sources left in your body and it turns to fat. It doesn't turn to fat. You turn to using fat in order to keep going. But you can't run the same speed that you've been used to. And suddenly it begins to slow down. That is excruciating pain. You look at your watch and you're thinking, oh my goodness, that time I had in mind is just out the window. All these people, they're cheering me on and I'm stumbling and all that. It's just severe. I'm not getting any sympathy, am I? No, not none whatsoever. I just stopped. It is pretty tough, but it is joyful and there's great elation once you finish the, the, uh, the finish line. I have been present on three occasions at three births, and I can witness excruciating pain through, um, through my loved one. And I can see the joy. I remember <laughs> Hope's giving me these kind of looks as if to say, get on with it, Dad. <laughs> I remember so vividly, especially when you came out, young lady, Mum and her response and her, her, her reaction just changed. Jesus is so kind. He knows what's coming. You're going to be absolutely devastated. But hold on, hold on. In a little while, your grief will turn to joy. I will come back. I will return. He's preparing them for what's to come. But he's also preparing them for when he also leaves to go and be with the Father in heaven. He says these words. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And he also says, a couple of verses later, in that day you'll ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Jesus again is giving us, the reader and the disciples then, this insight into this special, unique relationship between Jesus the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's some of the most helpful verses for us as followers to kind of understand and kind of get our heads around uh, the unique, uh, uniqueness of the Trinity and their relationship with one another. But what Jesus is really saying in these verses is it's an invitation to prayer. He's inviting his disciples and he's inviting us now into a deeper prayer life. Jesus says that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive. It's this invitation, this invite for us as followers to go to the Father. He says before then, Jesus says, you have not asked for anything in my name. They didn't need to because they were with Jesus. Before then, Jesus says, you have not asked for anything. I've just said that. <laughs> Sorry. What I find really interesting is when Jesus says, I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. He's not going to do it for us. He's inviting us to do it ourselves. But he's also giving us permission to go before the Father. 
A way is coming through the death and resurrection of Jesus. A way is coming for us, for them and for us to come before the Father. He's making a way because our sins would be forgiven. We would be cleansed of our unrighteousness and we could boldly approach the throne through thanksgiving. He says the Father loves us because they and us have loved him, Jesus. Jesus is steering his disciples and he's inviting us to go before the Father to ask and you will receive. So this morning, what's troubling you? What's bothering you? What's occupying your mind? What's, um, what's taken away um, your gaze away from him? What is it that you're seeing in the needs of others around you, loved ones? Where do you want to see the kingdom of God break out? God is, Jesus is telling his disciples and he's inviting us to ask and receive. And so right now we're going to give just a moment of prayer. I invite you to close your eyes right here, right now. Whatever it is, the most significant thing that's occupying you need a miracle you need to see change you're inviting the kingdom of God heaven's resource heaven's way of doing life to come here on earth ask and you'll receive go ahead in your own time in your own way, just ask him. Jesus brings this conversation back again to the immediate moment in which he's speaking to, sorry, one second. He says this, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone for my father is with me. That time is right upon them. He's literally saying that in the next very short moments, the time has come for me to go and do what I need to do. This time began whenever uh, Peter said, oh, no, I'll not leave you. I'll be with you. And Jesus says, listen, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to walk away from me. And he's saying again here, a time is coming when you'll be scattered. And the prophecy from Zechariah uh, 13 that says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. He's saying he's going to his death. The shepherd is going and the sheep will be scattered. And that is exactly what happens. As they take and they arrest Jesus, that begins the moment when the disciples are fearful and they go into hiding and they go wherever they go. Jesus says, even though you'll scatter, I won't be on my own. 
the Father is with me. Again, he's modeling something to his disciples, and he models it to us. We are not alone. We are never alone, especially in those times when we feel like we are. God is always with us. As we come into land this morning, we leave ourselves uh, chapter 17, which we'll do over the next two weeks, and then we'll conclude this series. We remind ourselves of the question of what is it that Jesus is seeking to achieve over these um, four chapters, these last words to his disciples. What is it? What's his intention? There are several, but one of them he actually says here at the end of chapter 16. He says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. These are some of the most comforting, honest, true words. In this world, you will have trouble. Being a follower of Jesus certainly does not make us immune to trouble. In fact, sometimes when we choose to follow him, the bounty on our head kind of goes up. But Jesus is saying, do not fear, do not, don't, in me you will have peace. I have overcome the world. 